Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic. Found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. With all due respect to Sasha Baron Cohen and Nathan Fielder, Eric Andre may just be America's, if not the world's, greatest prankster. After first rising on the comedy scene as a stand-up, Andre first made waves in TV with appearances on Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, Two Broke Girls, and Man Seeking Woman. But it was his chaotic Adult Swim anti-talk show, The Eric Andre Show, that made his name in the business. Netflix released his debut comedy special, Legalize Everything, in 2020, and is followed up with Andre's bonkers big-screen achievement, Bad Trip, which co-stars Tiffany Haddish and Lil Rel Howery as the three comedians act crazier than humanly possible in front of unsuspecting Americans up and down the East Coast. It's both wild and wildly funny. Andre talked to me about the magic of improvising with complete strangers, the importance of showing black comedians successfully pulling off pranks, and how Lil Rel's traumatic first day of filming actually convinced Tiffany Haddish to join in on the fun. So let's get to it! Del Dazim. <laughs> Eric Andre, my friend. God, what's so happening, my man? Uh, last things first, congratulations on Bad Trip. Thank you. I have, to tell, I have to tell you, personally for me, I'm very glad that I had to wait to watch it on Netflix because... I had to hit pause at least a half dozen times because of my laughing fits. Oh, amazing. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I don't know if I would have survived watching it in a cinema with a packed audience. <laughs> I might have I might have vomited all of my <laughs> you all of my mind. enjoyment. Amazing. Yes. Thank you, man. <laughs> it's uh it's fun to catch up with you. I, I was thinking back, I've known you at least fourteen years. Yeah. Yeah, long and time. Um, but I didn't realize that the prankster in you goes back even farther. Like when, yeah. when was that? When was that kind of first split? You know, I know you studied music up in Boston at Berkeley. Yeah, but but when was that moment where you're like, no, I'm really more of a prankster comedian than a musician? Before I was filming pranks before I started stand up, so it's like my first love. Uh, I made a video when I was 20, 21 years old, finishing college, doing these, like, um, uh, poor man, Sasha Baron Cohen-esque characters that yeah. weren't fully fleshed out like his characters are. Uh, but, like, I would prank other colleges. I would go into, like, Boston College or BU and do pranks in the middle of classes and have my friends like sneak in the class and film it and uh yeah I was a fucker I was a slippery little fucker on day <laughs> one what was the most audacious prank you pulled off while you were in college I mean those pranks are like very gen gen one pranks like definitely no nothing that compares to a bad trip but I, I would right. dread like kind of like a primitive version of my ranch it up character from uh, the adult swim show <laughs> I do, and uh, the character's name was Chase McDude, and I had like a a wig, and I would go. I was like Spicoli. I would go into the, a big auditorium class, like Western Civ One, with like a boombox, and I'd order pizza to class, and I'd like tip my shades at the 
teacher and like throw the teacher an apple and skateboard into class and ask all these inappropriate questions until I got kicked <laughs> out of class. <laughs> did, any, did, did anything nearly as dangerous as the barbershop incident in Bad Trip ever happen? No, that's a pretty high danger situation. I had to build to that level. <laughs> I like the fact that, that in that moment, that's the one time we don't actually see a camera inside the barbershop. Yeah, we fucked up. The first AD sent us into the wrong barbershop. Uh, the cameras were there was the exterior camera which is our only angle but there were other cameras in another barber shop that was a few shops down mm-hmm. and he sent us into the wrong barber shop and then we almost died <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's important to make sure you're all on the same page yeah as soon as we walked in there I go where are the cameras and the guy was brandishing a weapon and then I was like I have to leave <laughs> now you know it's you know, it's an extra added layer of fun for me watching this because I've known you and Rel and Tiffany since before you were famous. But it also kind of like makes me curious that you've been working on this film for so long yeah. that you and your co-stars have gotten significantly more famous yeah. in the time that it took to make the movie. Yeah. Were there, were there any were there any moments where it was just tricky to pull off just because people started to know who Tiffany was for example? Yeah, that, that, that's kind of like uh, the most commonly asked question keeps getting asked. We had a plan going into it because we knew that was happening. Tiffany we disguised the most. We gave her face tattoos, cornrows, we dressed her like she doesn't appear in any other movie or red carpet or anything like that. We, you know, um, we gave her like card heart. We dressed her like a construction worker. So uh, that went a long way. Rel was semi-disguised. We put clothes. I mean, clothing and a haircut go a long way. And then on top of that, we just made sure uh, we pranked people like over 45 years of age. That was the big thing. Because ma- the majority of my fans are under 35, under 30. You know what I mean? Right. So we weren't pranking any college campuses or skate parks. We were, we were pranking like soccer moms, middle American soccer moms. So... um. There was that. There was also we had code words, or we had a, we had a code word Phyllis. So anytime there was like a, a a mark coming into the scene that looked like they would recognize me or Rel or Tiffany, I would like quietly go into my hidden lav mic and say, "Phyllis is coming." My old friend Phyllis in the blue shirt. When then a stunt coordinator or a PA would walk in, intercept the person, quietly ask them like, "Hey, why don't you come over here for a second? We're doing a thing," and like, um, you know. It was a, it was a CIA operation. It was like a sting <laughs> operation. That's got to be quite. A, that's got to be quite a Venn diagram to hit to be trying to prank soccer moms, but also soccer moms who apparently have never seen bones. Yes, <laughs> you know, because, Michaela never got called. Michaela never got called out. She was she she wasn't in. Um. She's probably in the least amount of scenes out of the four actors in the movie, but we, she luckily did not get called out. And she's she's probably like the most watched. I think <laughs> Bones went into like two hundred and fifty-five <laughs> episodes or something insane. Yeah, and she went pretty nuts. She went. She was went as committed. She was as committed as you three were. Yeah, she was great. That was her first time doing hidden camera as well. Tiffany had hidden camera experience, but Rel 
had none going into this, and, and Michaela had none going into this, and they both rocked it. They rose to the occasion. The the thing about your movies, like that, that strikes me as is better and fundamentally different than say, you know, the Jackass movies, because I know you worked with Jeff Tremaine a little bit on this, is how much of a high wire act it is to improvise off of people who don't realize they're in a bit. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard. Did you have any any formal improv training? No, I mean, a few years ago, I took a, I took a use, like, not a few years ago. God, it's like 2011. feels like a few years ago. A decade ago. <laughs> I Yeah, I took, like, a UCB 101 class and, like, a Groundlings class. But not, like, I didn't go to theater school or, but I've taken, like, acting classes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for, so for the musical, I saw a girl today. That I that I that I studied with a choreographer. I studied with a couple choreographers for that. Um, no musical theater training, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I that was all uh, choreographed, and I, I rehearsed the shit out of that as best as I could. I still fucked it all up. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like because that you know so much of those things you really have to get get in one take. Otherwise, it's it's months down the drain. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's so, <laughs> so how do you how do you rehearse that? The uh, dancing I just rehearsed in my uh, apartment. Uh, well, no, I, I rehearsed in a dance studio space with the choreographer. Then I'd go home and practice by myself all the time, and then I'd practice for my director and producing partners, and then. Uh, I would quietly go into the space, into the mall and off hours and kind of like visually map out where I was going to do everything. But you kind of just, once you're up and running, you're going to just go for it. (laughs) But that wasn't too nerve wracking because I was being, I I, I wasn't being very antagonistic in that bit compared to other bits like the Chinese penis trap and the uh, honky tonk bar. Some of the other stuff, I'm a little more, my character's a little more like a, uh, provocative, right, right. Or the roof. I was, I was, I wasn't fearing for my life in that one like I was for some other ones. Did you, did you have any fear in the rooftop bit? Yes, that was just. I, I'm afraid of heights, so doing that is stressful. Okay. Um, how important then was it for you to have the the footage that rolled over the credits? That's the true grand finale of the movie. That's the true like denouement release of tension just seeing all the reveals of uh you know revealing the prank right revealing the pranks to people um and getting their them like laughing and being like oh my god what the hell that scared the shit out of me (laughs) um in a way that's like the true like dismount was was it important for you to show that just to show that everybody was okay with it at the in the end, and there was no harm done, or was yeah, it- I think it leaves you with a good t- good taste in your mouth, and it makes it feel like fun because, like, uh, also like the people that we prank are the real stars of the movie. The greatest laugh whenever we'd screen the film, the biggest laughs would not come from 
me or the cast. They would come from the real people who didn't weren't even aware that they were in the movie. Like there's a woman <laughs> named there's a woman named Jackie in one of the scenes. Oh, in the restaurant. In the restaurant, yeah, in the little chicken wing stop. That yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the most charismatic performer of all time, and I think she's like an ex-security guard who wasn't even aware that she was on camera. So it was like our way of the 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 the, the reveals at the end and the credit scroll. Like uh, it's our way of like having even the marks like take a bow because they're as performative as as the actors. Uh, yet they 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 weren't even aware that they're in a movie. They might still not even know they're they're in a movie until. Uh, it comes <laughs> out on Netflix. Done. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, we had to get their release signed, but it's been so so much time has passed since we pranked them. They're going to be like, they're about to be stars and they don't even <laughs> really comprehend it. You know what I mean? Right, because there's, there's so much filming that happens now with the web that people just sign something and go, oh, this might be on YouTube or this might be on some cable channel that I don't even Yeah, I'm to. sure they're yeah. like, oh, maybe we missed it. Because <laughs> like... Movie was supposed to come out a year ago, and then the world ended. But, but uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting for, especially like Netflix. Like so many people worldwide have a click of a button access to the movie now, in a, in a way with um, we weren't originally intending. So it's really exciting to put it out on Netflix right. now with their subscriptions um, higher than two hundred million worldwide. <laughs> well, with with a movie like like yours, or or even your TV show, and then comparing it to to the stuff Sasha does with Borat. Like it, it reminds me of, of a great magic trick because you want to know how you pulled it off. But on the other hand, at the same time, you're like, but if I know how you pulled it off, it, it does that ruin it for me once I yeah, know? It's a little bit of both. It like makes you go, oh, that's cool. But it also like ruins the magic a little bit. But, I, I, you know, I, ask away. I'm an open book. Well, uh, the, the, the real difference for you, though, is like Sasha actually hired other actors and doesn't tell you that they're actors in some of the scenes for which for for the movie like there there were some people who were who were actually in on it and then a lot of people who weren't and no, then I, think, you, you I don't really know prank, the difference no 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 he I don't think he ever fakes a prank but in the in in Kazakhstan like when when he's like doing all the setup stuff in Kazakhstan, like those are actors. Mm-hmm. But then when he comes to America, and he starts doing, pulling off the pranks, the real prank. I don't think he ever like has a fake reaction or anything. So. I I'm not sure about those guys that he spent two weeks in a cabin with. Oh no, those guys were real. Oh really? Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> those guys were real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know how they do because I'm buddies with all the guys that. Uh, Right. Made, I don't want to say too much because I don't right, know right, right. what they're comfortable revealing and what they what they're not comfortable revealing. But like, yeah, I I actually kind of know how he did. Th- that one's not that hard to produce. You just need people that don't know the original Borat, but they're out there, right? Um, right. For you, I'm you know I'm also curious because you've been you know Bad Trip is like the culmination of years of of great pranks on TV and just in real life like you would go and do things you go to political events and and serve as a reporter or whatnot mm-hmm. and um i'm just so fascinated with with what you do because Thanks, because it requires like such for lack of a better term balls to Thanks. to put yourself out there 
where you really don't know how you're going to get out of it. Yeah, it's stressful. <laughs> so it's like the fact that you, you are still doing it this many years later and not going, I think I'm too old for that or... Or I think I've I'm definitely had those moments because it's just so stressful. It ages you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've definitely had those moments, but there's kind of like nothing more uh, high stakes than um, um, pulling pulling off these pranks properly. Right. So, but you also do have like a team of people. Like I know you've worked with Dan Curry for a long time. Yeah, Dan- he just texted me as you said as you. <laughs> and, you and, said, re- and you summoned his name. You beetled him into existence. And I yeah, remember it all the people. It was all the people from the show, and you know, it was, I was flanked by Kitao and Dan from from my show, and then Jeff Tremaine had had his posse. Um, so it was like a meeting of the minds, and, and Jeff like mentored us the whole way. He was our he was our master splinter, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, uh, you know, we had, and then we had like the great prank minds in the writers room helping us out. Like Nathan Fielder came in with, uh, you know, Leo Allen and J- Jason Wolliner, who have worked on his show and worked on Borat, and Sasha Baron Cohen watched a movie uh, in its like earliest like rough cut. We showed him a, a really rough, rough, rough cut of it, the movie at his house, and he, um we collaborated with some of his writers and we had some punked writers. We had like every prank writing team kind of filter through our halls mm-hmm. so that we could, um, figure out what to do and what not to do. But it was, a, it was a very long and arduous process figuring right. out a lot of trial and error. Oh, I guess in the, like one example from the first Borat movie, um, you know, there were some people who didn't know who Lunell was. So when, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he yeah, showed up, he's leaving too. actors in and out. I think he's right. like us. He keep, he does have some cast. Like we have four actors, but we like keep we had to keep the cast to a minimum because you have to like it has to be crystal clear for the audience who's in on the prank and who's not. And if you're right. introducing new actors every five seconds, it gets like very muddy very quickly. Right. What's real and what's what's uh... yeah. You just want it clear. Like these people are in on it. These people are not in on it. Right, you're not really pranking the audience at all. No, you don't want to prank the audience. You want the audience to be with you so that they can follow the set-up punchline of it all. So what did you learn from each of these guys who came on board at different parts of the filming? What did you learn from Jeff, from Maine? Uh, I mean, I think everything. Like, we just came into the process only knowing you know, crazy, criminally insane Eric Andre show style pranks, but Eric Andre show style pranks don't, don't have any, um, narrative needs. In fact, they're like almost purposely non-narrative and completely absurdist and surreal. Um, this movie, you needed to push story along, um, as you were pranking people. So, which is no small feat. It's hard enough to have a movie story function, let alone have it function through pranks and through real people delivering plot um, versus actors delivering plot. So we had to learn story writing and we had to learn it quick because we were just coming from joke writing and prank writing. So he kind of bridged the gap between, you know, our uh, 
basic cable is absurdist 11 minute talk show and <laughs> um you know feature length film as a medium and he took everything he learned from the three jackass movies and bad grandpa which was their first narrative venture right um, and all the trials and tribulations of that because they filmed a ton of stuff for bad grandpa that never saw the light of day because they realized oh no we need a story to get across 90 minutes of footage with this character we can't just like go out and do pranks because it just the momentum stalls out so quickly so um also sasha too when we showed it to him at his house he was very story centric he wasn't that prank centric in his feedback he was like there's some story issues at the end of act two and act three that need massaging and uh you know we had to learn the hard way the importance of story even in this prank genre um there was that and uh also, like pranks in Eric Andre's show, my character doesn't need to be sympathetic. My, my character is like completely insane and deranged and ADD. My character in the movie has to be sympathetic or you're not going to follow him for 90 minutes. So the pranks are more, they call them help me, help me pranks. Mm-hmm. They're more like, I'm more like in peril um, versus being like intentionally destructive like I am on the Eric Andre show I could I, like my character couldn't be intentionally destructive on this my, my character had to be like unintentionally and accidentally destructive a la Chris Farley in Tommy Boy you know what I mean I had to be like right. a dog um, you have to get chased into danger chased into danger or danger happens accident, accidentally <laughs> so what did what did Nathan Fielder bring to the table I don't remember any specifics. He would just, he gets, I came in once or twice to, I had him read the script and I took him to dinner. Um, that was in the early stages. I don't remember anything specific. It was just kind of like various prank ideas, you know, just like brainstorming punch up kind of stuff. Okay, because he he tends to have more of a subtle, surreal tone to his... Definitely definitely different style and approach. And I think, like, also he he directs his show, so I feel like he's also... Like, they definitely plan a lot and write a lot and have, like, an agenda and an outcome in mind. But he also, within that, like makes a lot of discoveries on camera or at least it appears that way so he has has such a special like specific nuance alchemy to what he does so well he's he's got one of my favorite shows on television um that you you like you have to be him to make that show so nuanced and specific um yeah the the other the other significant difference and i've i've been thinking about this for a few years now um independently of your show but your show and your your comedy and your movie really brings it on home uh but i i real i i came to an awakening i don't want to say woke but i came to an awakening watching uh comedians do like just for laugh sets several years ago mm-hmm. where there's there's a tendency in in white guys stand up to deliver joke premises, but the joke premises themselves are pranks. They're like, here's an idea. 
why don't you like go up to somebody and do this? Mm-hmm. And I realized that only white guys could get away with doing the things that they're suggesting in their standup. <laughs> because if a black guy in America tried to do the things that the white guys are joking about. Yeah, we actually, we actually had like a couple meetings about that early on. Like Ruben Fleischer, who was like one of our producing partners in the movie, he was like, he had a moment where he's like, I'm genuinely, now that we've cast Rel, I'm genuinely worried about you guys going into the deep South and pulling these pranks. Like, I think we need like a heightened level of security and caution. And like (laughs) day one, we got a knife pulled out on us, but he got, he had a moment of panic before we went into production, but you know, Ruben or Rel. Well, both. Both. But Ruben was kind of the first to say to 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 bring up that that idea like this is the first black prank movie. <laughs> um and there's not really any black prank shows, let alone prank movies. So we all kind of got scared, but we we got our security detail figured out, especially after the knife incident day one. So we were... Wait, we, the knife incident was on day one? was day one. That was the very first hidden camera prank Rel filmed. <laughs> was, the Chinese, was the Chinese finger trap. Yeah. Uh, that was it. That was his kickoff. I guess, I, I guess he might as well... Was the thinking he might as well start with the most... Oh, he didn't. Audacious. He's not the first AD. He didn't. He didn't schedule that. He wasn't. He wasn't in charge of the schedule. I mm-hmm. think like the schedule is based on so many things, locations and everything else. There's like a jenga to it. Um, so that was just first up to bat. Oh, so it wasn't. Let's try the most cartoonishly ridiculous. No, I think it also was like, physically difficult. Yeah, no. To- <laughs> it, it's not. It's it's always just like. Hey, we we bought this location. We we paid the guy from a barbershop, whatever, six hundred bucks, and he mm-hmm. said between four o'clock and six o'clock we can use it. It's like it's decisions like that. It's very like uh, <laughs> producerial. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, the actors started. last to know or decide any of those types of decisions. But that's just amazing to me that that was the first day, and then you're like, okay. Yeah, can't get, can't get worse from here. Well, he almost quit. Uh, well, he did quit. He quit. He like walked home with his broken dick trap hanging out of his pants. <laughs> and uh, he told me in an interview this morning that his kids talked him back into doing the movie. He was like, "Eric's gonna get me killed. I want to quit." And and the re- and the reason we have Tiffany in the movies because of that uh, incident. He like. He was, he called his reps and he's like, I'm, I'm quitting the movie. They're going to get me killed. This is way too mm-hmm. dangerous. I, I can't do this. Uh, and then he called Tiffany just to vent. He was like, dude, Eric Andre's got me doing this prank movie. This guy pulled out a knife on us. I'm going to die. This is too dangerous. She starts laughing. She hangs up. She calls me a few minutes later and she's like, yo, you almost got Rel killed shooting a prank movie. I go, Yeah. <laughs> And then she goes, I want to be in your movie. That sounds awesome. I live for that shit. I was like, you got the job. And the woman that was going to play her character originally just dropped out. 
she fell out because she had a a, a schedule conflict with her television show that she was filming and she wasn't able to do it. So it was kind of like a casting from heaven. And then Tiffany just brought so much value to the movie. But because Rel was in such a stressful near death experience, he called Tiffany to vent. And because he vented, Tiffany was intrigued. And because she was intrigued, she called me and offered her services and she, uh, she killed it. She's got some of the best scenes in the movie. No, you you could tell she loved it. She lives for it. She's so good at it. <laughs> she She's wanted proud. she wanted to kiss cops. She wanted to. Yes. She's that, that's the thing. She's like she had so much value. Like like that scene where she's like flirting with the cop was such like a little in between scene, just a little pickup that we needed, and she just adds so much comedic value with like yeah. every single sentence out of her mouth. She's just incredible. And that she's and incredible. that chicken that chicken restaurant scene. The entire thing is is magic. Yeah, yeah. What you don't see in that scene is that me, uh, me and Rel and Tiffany went into the chicken restaurant like tw- like four or five times, just like cartoonishly, just missing each other, and kept asking just to gas the people up, like, "How the fuck did you not see her? She was just here. She's looking for you." Just to like mine the best reactions out of all those people, and we did like that. What one woman whose name was Jackie. I think she's mm-hmm. like the most charismatic person in the movie. We really, really right, Jackie, her. and then her 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 boyfriend, her husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You talk too much, Jackie. You're talking too much. <laughs> yeah. But that, yeah, yeah. But that scene, you know, along with many other scenes in the movie, also kind of plays up. Like, you know, we talked about the difference between trying to do a prank show or movie as a as a black American or yeah. or even bluish, as you famously are. Yeah. Um, but also you see in the, re- the how re- the reactions are different that you get from the white Americans and the black Americans. Yeah. Like the, I also, th- the, I also the, think, like, we showed, like, the humanitarian nature in, in everybody across. Mm-hmm. We showed, like, good Samaritans of all. True. Like the, the, the guy, the black guy with the dreads during the, um, when, when Rel and I have the falling out during the car crash right. scene. And and you had the ROTC guy who talked me off of uh, a ledge, off, yeah. off the ledge, you know the the army recruit guy. Um, so I want this movie to bring America together. <laughs> well, hopefully, bad trip will bring America more, bring America better, and less have people uh, be tired of your bullshit. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because there, there are certain people, who are, especially black, black, black Americans, are like, no, no, get, get out of here, <laughs> get out of here, you crazy kid. <laughs> yeah, we need more people like the old guy who's like, he's in love, he's in, love. <laughs> he's in love. <laughs> Let him go. <laughs> uh, Eric Andre, it's so great to catch up with you. Don, likewise, man, good to see you. Thank you so much. We have to do this again in 14 years. That sounds good. We'll do. All right. All, All right. right bye. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com. For more interviews, reviews, and comedy news, become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening.
last things first.